So tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be covering uh, verses 11 through 19. Uh, While you're turning there, uh, I wanted to start with a question for you, which is, have you at any point in your life ever experienced a time of gratitude or thankfulness towards somebody? Uh, For me, probably the first example that comes to mind, actually, uh, reminds me of when I was moving back here from Port Orchard. For those of you who don't know, I, I grew up here in this town. I actually went to Mayfield High School. I graduated from New Mexico State University. When I finished my degree, I went and I worked for the Navy for two years up in uh, Bremerton, Washington at Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. When I accepted the position here at the church and came back, I had to move all of my stuff out of my apartment that was on the third floor into a U-Haul. Don't worry, it was only a single bedroom, so it wasn't all that much stuff. Uh, But I had asked a couple of people. I had asked around a group, maybe five, maybe six people, and I told them, hey, if you come and help me, I will buy you some food, probably pizza, because it's cheap and easy. And if you guys help me move, you get pizza, awesome, win-win, thank you. Well, those five people showed up. But not only did those five people showed up, I had right around 10 more. Some of them I didn't even know. (laughs) They just showed up, and they all helped. They carried all the heavy stuff uh, down three flights of stairs and into a U-Haul or into my car. And I was very thankful. We got everything done in around an hour and a half, two hours. I was amazed. Furthermore, when I went to go buy them pizza and I was asking what everyone wanted, pepperoni, sausage, whatever, everyone said, no, we're good. Please, you don't need to buy us anything. We're glad to help. I was a little stunned, but I am so thankful for them. I have so much gratitude over what they did. Uh, I need to go and visit them, actually. I missed them. Anyways, if there's anything that I want you to take away from today, it's this. If there's a main point, we should give gratitude to God for all that he has done and all that he will do for us. That's, that's the main point. If there's anything to take away, it's that. Now, as we get into Luke chapter 17, uh, here's a little bit of a background for it. Uh, This section here is only found in Luke, actually. And where we're at, it's going to talk about how Jesus is going from, uh, he's going to be between uh, uh, Galilee and Samaria, and he's headed to Jerusalem. He's actually headed to the cross within the timeline of Luke. Uh, The cross is coming. It's imminent. But on the way, he stops and has a very, very interesting encounter. So we're going to go ahead and go into that. We're going to be in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So to start, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's he's passing between Samaria and Galilee. He's entering a village and these 10 lepers stop him outside of a village. They're not going to be in the village because they have leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a horrible bacterial skin illness. It is horrible beyond degree. Um, if you got it, you're, you would uh, start getting these pigments and these looks, and it would just crawl all over you. It's possible that you would have fingers. I'm sorry, it's going to be graphic. Your fingers might fall off. Uh, but worse than that, right, in that day and age, because it was so contagious, you would be removed from your community, from your house, from your home. You were completely taken away. 
You were separated from everybody that you knew and loved, and none of them were going to come see you. It was that contagious and that scary. That's why also in that verse it says that they were standing at a distance. And also why they're not in the town, why he stops them before he goes into the town. So they're standing at a distance. It's probably a few feet. Probably uh, some people think 50. I imagine from about here to the other side of the stage, probably. Somewhere in there. They're not going to come near him. But you also have to, uh, to, because they're outcasts, because they're pulled away from everything and they're so secluded, nobody's helping them. Nobody's there for them. They don't have anybody. No friends, no family. Maybe other lepers in a little community that they're living together in. But that's it. It reminds me of a time, uh, so when I, I started here, I actually interned here a few years ago. And uh, while I was with Joe, Joe invited me to go with him to do hospital visitations, which is something that we do. And I was more than happy to do it because I want to know what that's like. I want to love on people. Well, we go and we go to the hospital and we find the right room number. We double check it's the right room number and everything. And... We start to go inside, and this, this nurse, I mean, she's not very tall. She's probably about, you know, maybe somewhere in here, you know. She's not very tall, but she comes behind us, and she grabs us by the back of our collars and pulls us out, and we're like, okay, I'm sorry. We're hospital visitations over. Did we miss something? What happened? And she says, no, no, you can't go in there because this man, this gentleman has a disease called C. diff. Uh, for those of you who don't know, C. diff is a highly contagious intestinal disease that if you were to touch somebody with your hands or accidentally uh, ingest something, you would catch it like that. And so she said, well, you can go in there, but instead you've got to put on a suit, like a, a gown. You have to put on a mask. You've got to put on gloves, make sure the gown covers the gloves. You can go in, you can hold his hand, but you cannot physically touch him. Uh, I was more than happy to be there, but I can only imagine how hard it is for others, you know, or even, even for me to go in there and talk to this man and be around him knowing it's that contagious. And leprosy was worse than that. So these men, they stop at a distance. And, and remember, they're outcasts. They're away from their family. They're away from their community. Nobody wants to be around them. They have no hope. They, they have nothing. And so they're, they're seeing Jesus, and they've probably heard the stories of Jesus and everything he's done. And they're going, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, please. They call him Master. They recognize he has some kind of, that he has authority. They've heard these. They know that he can do it. Please, have mercy on us. They want to return to their normal life. They don't want to have leprosy anymore. They want to go back. They want to be done with this disease, this illness that they have. I can only imagine how horrendous it is for these people. But Jesus does something very interesting. And I, I think this is why Luke is, uh, writes this, uh, why he documents this story. Jesus says this in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I, I say that because it's so amazing. Think about it. Jesus didn't walk over to him. He didn't tell him, you're healed. 
He didn't even spit in the mud and go rub it on them like he does with one man who was blind. He doesn't do any of that. He, in fact, tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's a little weird for us today. But in that culture and in that day, the reason they did that, and it comes out of Leviticus 13 and 14, if you want to go back and read it. What happened was, is anytime somebody came or had a skin issue, they would go to the priests. And the priests would look at them. They would look at what's going on. They would see what color it was, how big it was, how deep it was, what was going on. And based on that, they would make a judgment call. Do they remove this person from the community because his illness is going to infect everyone else? Or do they just leave it be? So Jesus tells them to go to the priests. And if, if I were one of them in this moment, now obviously, foreshadowing, we know they're going to be cleansed. I mean, it's there. But if you were those men in that moment, and you were reading this, or you were there listening to this, you'd, you'd probably go, why would I go to the priests? The priests are not going to do anything for me. They're going to look at me and go, ah, you're still unclean. You can't be in here. See ya. But yet, all of those men turned and they went. They started going towards the priests. You see, Jesus, there is no set pattern or formula that Jesus needs to use to heal people. He is that amazing. He is that powerful. He doesn't need to do anything. He doesn't say a ritual. He doesn't say anything specific. He is that powerful. These men also, because they turned and went and they started walking towards the priests, we know that they had some type of faith. They did what Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. So off they go, off they walk. They start walking to the priests and they're cleansed. The understanding of them being cleansed is that they're healed. The leprosy is gone. There's not a trace of it left on them. It's all gone. But one of them does something very interesting. And that's what we're going to look at next in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now this man, this man was a Samaritan. This man, this Samaritan, he is on his way to the priests, recognizes he's healed of his illness. And he does three things. First, he turns. He, he stops going towards the priests. Secondly, he loudly and publicly is proclaiming thanks and gratitude to God. And then thirdly, he goes and he puts his face, he, he bows all the way down to the feet of Jesus. Big. It's big. It's huge. I mean, the, the guy ha, it has been, he broke social distancing. Uh, he did. I mean, he was just a leper. He wasn't supposed to get that close to people. And yet he broke that and went directly to the feet of Jesus. He's also praising God publicly and loudly. But there's a big kicker here with this story. This is, I mean, if you were a Jewish person reading this, it, it was the climax. This man was a Samaritan. It's huge. He was a Samaritan. And you have to understand, when it comes to the difference between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they hated each other. 
deeply, absolutely hated each other. The, uh, it reminds me when I was in high school. I graduated from Mayfield High School, y'all. I went to Mayfield Cruces games. I played in the band. I remember one year, I am at that game in a, at, the Pan Ameri- or at the football field at NMSU, and I do. I remember people going out onto the field fighting. These older men fighting over which school was better, and they haven't been to school in 20, 30 years. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. And not to mention, I was leaving, and I was headed to my car, and there are windshields busted out. It was bad that year. I don't even remember what year that was. I graduated in 2015, so sometime before that. But it was bad. That's how much they hated each other. So for this Samaritan to then go and bow in front of Jesus and give him thanks, to kneel at his feet, not only did he break social distancing, he broke societal rules. You just don't do that. That's not a thing. It's huge. But there was something about the Samaritan. There was something inside of him. He needed to do this. You see, the Samaritan realized he needed to come back and give gratitude to Jesus. He needed to. He had to. There was something that he, he just needed to do it. Jesus responds to this man. And it's, it's an amazing response. This is what he said, verse 17. Then he answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You know, uh, for those of you who don't know, I've told it uh, to a few people. Uh, I had the opportunity to go and live over a month in Japan. Now, it was a short minute notice, and... I was not given a briefing. I was not told anything about life there. The only thing I knew, honestly, was what I had learned from watching anime, which uh, <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of Japanese doesn't help you at all anyways. I didn't know that. Uh, but I knew how to use chopsticks, but I didn't know how to eat honorably or appropriately. I didn't even know how to pay. You have to pay in a certain way. You put the money down on this little... Uh, bowl, I guess. You set it on a bowl. I, I was thinking of the word. I couldn't find it. Uh, but you put your money in a bowl. They take your money and then they put all your change in the bowl and you're supposed to take it and put it in your coin purse. You had to have a, a coin purse. Everything was in coins. Uh, you had to do that. The way you ordered at restaurants was different. I didn't know any of this. I'm so thankful for a lot of my friends that were out there. It was a huge help. When Jesus calls this man a foreigner, it's like that. He was a fish out of water when it comes to the Jewish life. He was not a Jew, so he was a foreigner. See, uh, but then Jesus talks about these other nine people. He says, where are the ten? Weren't weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Was no one else going to come back and give thanks to God but this foreigner? Now, we don't know what happens to these other nine men. They're not mentioned any other time. We have no idea what happened. Some people are really harsh on these nine men, and I, I don't think we should be because it's, it's not in Scripture. Some people like to condemn these men. They like to hate on these men. We, we, I don't think we can do that. They did specifically what Jesus told them to do, which was go to the priests, and we cannot fault them for that. 
We just can't. They did what was instructed of them. But what Jesus points out is that these other nine, despite returning to a normal life, they did not show any gratitude to Jesus in that moment. In that moment, they didn't show any gratitude. They didn't show any any thankfulness to God for their healing. They didn't show any gratitude to God in that moment. Maybe they did later. Maybe they did after the cross. I don't know. But in this moment, they didn't. And that's what Jesus is highlighting. This man did. These other nine did not. See, Jesus continues on and makes a final statement to this man. And that's where everything ends for this story. Jesus says in verse 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There's nothing in there about you get away from me. There's nothing in there at all. He just says, hey, get up, go your way, continue on. Your faith has made you well. Now, the the Greek word for made you well there, uh, it has, it, it is a perfect word. I know you guys may not care about this. Uh, when it comes to the Greek, this is a perfect word. And the, under, the idea is this wholeness. It is, it is, the word is equal to having been saved. So what, what this means is that his, his, uh, his, sal- his saving doesn't just go beyond his physical saving. It extends into his spiritual saving. It extends into that. And that's a main point when it comes to all of Jesus' healings. Some of them were physical. Some of them go deeper. But one thing that is key across all of his healings is this. All of Jesus' physical healings pointed to the fact that he is God all of them. That's why he does it. He's pointing out he's the Messiah, but not only that he's the Messiah, that he is God. And if he is God, he can do anything, including saving us spiritually. So for us, right, for all of us, just as the one Samaritan came back to give gratitude to God, so should we also give gratitude to God. Now, the key thing with that is we don't do it exactly as the Samaritan did, right? So I talked about those three things that the Samaritan did. He turned back, he came to Jesus praising God loudly, and he knelt at the feet of Jesus thanking him. Those are descriptive. They describe the actions of this man. They are not prescriptive. We don't do it the same way. We just don't. We worship and praise and bring gratitude to God and show gratitude to him differently. We do it through prayer. We can pray to the Lord. We come to, we come to, to service and worship and we, we worship the Lord, praising him and thanking him for all that he's done. We spend time together as believers in fellowship, thanking the Lord for the time we have together. We do all these things. And there's even some ways that we show gratitude and thank the Lord that I didn't mention. But the one question I want you to take away from this is this. Do you show gratitude and thankfulness to Jesus? Maybe you do. 
Awesome. Then the question is not, do you? But do you live that way? Do you live your life in gratitude and thankfulness to Jesus? I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what's going on spiritually for you or just what's going on in your life. If you're doing really well or if you are in a mountain of, of trouble and, and heartache. But maybe tonight you've come to realize Maybe you've given gratitude to the Lord, which is great, but you're realizing that you have a habit of not giving gratitude. You live pessimistically. You don't live with thankfulness to the Lord. You live life without thanks. You thank the Lord, but not as a habit. You don't live your life that way. Maybe you live your life with gratitude to the Lord, but maybe you feel like you don't do it as often as you should. Believe me, I'm that way too. I, don't, I, I feel like I need to do it more and more every day. Maybe, maybe you feel like you've never given gratitude or thankfulness to the Lord. Maybe. All I know is I am thankful to the Lord for the life I have, the friends I have, the beautiful earth, the beautiful blue sky, the rain that I had in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> thankful for all of that. But I need to be more thankful. Maybe you've never been thankful because you've never, you feel like you've never had anything to be thankful for with the Lord. The reality is, Jesus came. He died. He died for you, for me. It's not just so that we live in this wonderful physical world, but he also came to save us from our sin. Maybe that's where you are. I don't know. But all I can tell you is we should show gratitude to the Lord in the same way that this one Samaritan did. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I come before you. Thank you for the chance for all of us to come together and spend time together worshiping your name, diving into your word and seeing what's there, Lord. We love you. We thank you. As Thanksgiving approaches, Lord, please remind us to have gratitude and be thankful. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.